Our Sherlock Holmes adventure, entitled The Three Gables, here is Dr. Watson. Thank you. I don't think any of my adventures with Mr. Sherlock Holmes open quite so abruptly or so dramatically as that which I associate with the Three Gables. Holmes was in a chatty mood that morning. he just curled down with his pipe in his mouth on a well-worn armchair across the fireside from me when our visitor arrived. If I'd said that a mad bull had arrived, it'd give a clearer impression. What the devil? Which of you two is Holmes? Yes, it is a pleasant morning for the time of year. Oh, it's you, is it? Well, see here. Keep your hands out of other folks' business. Leave folks to manage their own affairs. Got that? Do keep on talking. It's fine. Oh, fine, is it? It won't be so damn fine if I have to trim you up a bit. I've handled your kind before now. They didn't look fine when I was through with them. Look at that. I do believe it's a fist. Or is it? Tell me, were you born so... Or did it come by degrees? Uh, I'll give you a fair warning, see. I've a friend that's interested out Arrow Way. You know what I mean. He don't intend to have no button in by you. You ain't the law and I ain't the law. And if you come shoving in, I'll be on end. You know, I've wanted to meet you for some time. I won't ask you to sit down. But aren't you Steve Dixie, the bruiser? What if I am? I was just recalling the killing of young Perkins outside the Hoban Bar. Uh, uh. I, I didn't have nothing to do with Perkins. Uh, I was training at the bull ring in Birmingham when he got done in. Really? Well, all the same, I've got my eye on you, Steve. You and Barney Stockdale. But so help me, I... That's enough. I can pick you up whenever I want you. Now, get out of here. Uh, there, there ain't no hard feelings, Mr. Holmes. Uh, nothing personal. There will be, unless you tell me who sent you. Well, there ain't no secret about that. Stockdale sent me. Him you just mentioned. Then what's it all about? So help me, I don't know. Steve, he says, you go and see that Holmes and tell him his life ain't safe if he goes down Arrow Way. That's the truth, honest. I'll believe you, if no one else would. Now, get out. Uh, sure, Mr. Holmes, I'm going. Uh, morning, gents both. <laughs> when I saw you reaching for that poker, Watson... I thought you might be going to break his fat head. One sign from you, Holmes. Oh, he's a harmless fellow, really. A great, muscular, foolish, blustering baby. You toned him down easily enough. This fellow Barney Stockdale's rather more astute. They belong to the Spencer John gang. Assault, intimidation and the like. They've been mixed up in some dirty work lately, which I may clear up when I've got time. But why do they want to intimidate you? It's the Harrow Weald case. Yeah. Something new to me, Holmes. I was just settling down to tell you about it before we had that comic interlude. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Here's a note from the lady concerned. Mrs. Maberly. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Dear Mr. Sherlock Holmes, I've had a succession of strange incidents occur to me in connection with this house, and I should much value your advice. You would find me at home any time tomorrow. The house is within a short walk of the Weald Station. I believe that my late husband, Mortimer Mabley, was one of your clients. Yours faithfully, Mary Mabley. Hmm. The three cables had a wheeled. I wasn't at all sure whether to go. But if it's worth anybody's while taking the trouble to stop me, then there must be something in it. Care to come with me? Of course. Excellent. We'll wire her and set off at once. I remember your husband well, madam. 
Though it's some years since he used my services in some trifling matter. Probably you would be more familiar with the name of my son, Douglas, Mr. Holmes. Uh, Douglas Mabley? The Douglas Mabley? Dear me. Douglas Mabley. I knew him slightly, but then all London knew him. What a magnificent creature. Where is he these days, Mrs. Mabley? Dead. Dead? He was attaché at Rome. He died there of pneumonia last month. I am sorry, Mrs. Mabley. One cannot connect death with such a man. I've never known anyone so intensely alive. Too intensely, Mr. Holmes. That was the ruin of him. His ruin? You remember him as he was. Debonair and splendid. You did not see the moody, morose, brooding creature into which he developed. In a single month, I seemed to see my gallant boy turn into a worn-out, cynical man. A love affair? A woman? Or a fiend. But it was not to talk of my poor boy that I asked you to come, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Watson and I are at your service, ma'am. There have been some very strange happenings. I have been in this house more than a year now, and as I wish to lead a retired life, I have seen little of my neighbors. Three days ago, I had a call from a man who said he was a house agent. He said that this house would exactly suit a client of his, and that if I would part with it, money would be no object. Strange sort of approach. That was how it seemed to me, Doctor, especially since there are several empty houses on the market in this neighborhood, which appear to be equally eligible. However, I was interested in what he said. I named a price which was 500 pounds more than I gave. He closed at once but added that his client would wish to buy the furniture as well and asked me to put a price on it. Remarkable way to go on. Some of this furniture is from my old home, and it is, as you see, very good. So I named a good round sum. To this he also agreed. I'd always wanted to travel, and the whole bargain was so good that it really seemed that I should be my own mistress for the rest of my life. But some snag has arisen. Yesterday, the man arrived with the agreement all drawn out. Luckily, I showed it to Mr. Sutro, my lawyer. He said to me, this is a very strange document. Are you aware that if you sign it, you could not legally take anything out of the house? Not even your own private possession. Good heavens. So what did you do, Mrs. Mabelie? Why? When the man came again in the evening, I pointed this out and said that I meant only to sell the furniture. He said, no. No, it must be everything. Well, naturally, I argued about my clothes, my jewels, and in the end, he agreed to make some concessions as to my personal effects. But he insisted that nothing must leave the house unchecked. Did he give any reason for this extraordinary demand? Nothing. Beyond saying that his client was a very liberal man, but had certain fads and fancies and his own way of doing things. Evidently. Then what was the outcome? I refused. Much as I was tempted by the money, I could not bring myself to submit to such terms. And what is it, Mr. Holmes? Where are you going? Oh, ah. Susan! 
leave me alone. What do you think you're doing? What is this, Susan? Oh, ma'am, I was just coming to ask if the visitors were staying for lunch when this, this man jumps out and drags me in like you see. I have been listening to her for the last five minutes. People who wheeze shouldn't listen at keyholes, Susan. Susan? Not Susie, anyway. What right has he to go pulling a girl about like that? It was merely that I wished to ask a question in your presence. Mrs. Maberly, did you mention to anyone that you were going to write to me and consult me? No, Mr. Holmes, I did not. Who posted your letter? Susan did. Exactly. Now, Susan, to whom did you write or send a message to say that your mistress was asking advice from me? It's a lie. I sent no message. Now, Susan, wicked people may not live long, you know. Who was it? Susan, I believe you are a bad, treacherous woman. I remember now seeing you speaking to someone over the hedge. That was my business. Suppose I tell you it was Barney Stockdale. You saw? I'm not saying. Well, I wasn't sure, but I now know. Susan, it'll be worth ten pounds to you if you will tell me who is at the back of Barney. Someone that could lay down a thousand quid for every ten you've got in the world. A rich man, eh? Ah, ah, you smile. A rich woman. A car. Oh, come. Now that we've got so far, you might as well give me her name and earn your tenor. I'm clearing out of here. I've had enough of a lot of you. And I'll send for my box tomorrow. Goodbye, Susan. Paragoric is the stuff for that chest of yours. Now, Mrs. Maberly, this gang means business. Look how close they play the game. Your letter to me has the 10 p.m. postmark. Yet Susan passes the word to Barney... Barney goes to his employer, a plan is formed, big Steve Dixie is called in, and I am warned off all by 11 o'clock next morning. That's quick work, you know. Yes, I see. But what do they want? Who had this house before you, Mrs. Maberly? A retired sea captain called Ferguson. Anything remarkable about him? Not to my knowledge. Wondering whether he'd buried some treasure in the house, Holmes? It's a possibility. Of course, when people bury treasure nowadays, they do it in the post office. There are always some lunatics about. It'd be a dull world without them. At first, I thought of some buried valuables. But why, in that case, should they want your furniture? You don't happen to have a Raphael or a first folio Shakespeare without knowing it. <laughs> I don't think I have anything rarer than a Crown Derby tea set. That'd hardly justify all this mystery, would it? I mean, if they want your tea set, they're ready to offer a price for it straight out, without buying you up lock, stock and barrel. <laughs> what I can't understand, Holmes, is why they don't openly say what they do want. Because, as I read it, my dear Watson, there is something which Mrs. Maberly does not know she has, and which she would not give up if she did know. Ah, that's it. Dr. Watson agrees, so that settles it. But what can it be, Mr. Holmes? Let us see whether we can get to a finer point by purely mental analysis. You have been in this house a year, I believe. Nearly two. All the better. During this long period, no one has wanted anything from you. Now, suddenly within three or four days, you have urgent demands. What would you gather from that? I really don't know. It must mean that the object, uh, whatever it may be, has only just come into the house. Bravo. Has any object just arrived? No. I've bought nothing new this year. Indeed. This is very remarkable. 
Well, I think we'd best let matters develop a little further until we have a clearer data. Is that lawyer of yours a capable man? Mr. Sutro is very capable. Have you another maid? Or was the fair Susan alone? I have a young girl. Then try to get Sutro to spend a night or two in the house. You may need protection. Protection? Against whom? Who knows? The matter is certainly obscure. If I can't find what they're after, I must approach the matter from the other end and try and get at the principal. Did this house agent give any address? Only his name, Haynes Johnson. Hmm. I don't think we shall find him in the directory. Honest businessmen don't conceal their place of business. Well, you'll let me know any fresh developments. Most certainly, Mr. Holmes. You may rely upon it that I shall see your case through. It was very good of you to come. Not at all. Uh, hello. What is it, Mr. Holmes? These trunks and suitcases in the hall. I see they're labeled from Italy. Yes. They're poor Douglas's things. You haven't unpacked them. How long have you had them? They arrived last week. But you said... Why, surely this might be the missing link. How do we know there isn't something of value in there? There couldn't possibly be. Poor Douglas only had his pay and a small annuity. What could he have of value? Delay no longer, Mrs. Maberly. Have those things taken up to your bedroom. Examine them as soon as possible and see what they contain. I will come tomorrow and hear your report. Good day, madam. Good day, ma'am. Good day, gentlemen. Hello. What now? They are watching this place closely enough. See our prize-fighting friend lurking near the gate. What? You again, Steve? Uh, oh, you reaching for your gun, Mr. Holmes? No, for my scent bottle, till I get past you. Oh, real funny. It won't be funny for you if I get after you, Steve. Look, Mr. Holmes, uh, I've been thinking about that. Uh, I don't want no trouble over that Perkins affair. Suppose, yeah, suppose I can help you instead. You can, Steve. Tell me who's behind Barney in this job. Help me, I don't know. Barney gives the orders and that's as far as I go. Well, then, just bear in mind that the lady in that house and everything under that roof is under my protection. Don't forget it. All right, Mr. Holmes. I'll remember. <laughs> Scared him stiff. <laughs> but I don't think he knows who his boss is. He'd trouble cross him readily enough if he did. Well, how are you going to find out who's behind it then, Holmes? I think this is a case for Langdale Pike. Langdale Pike. Going for a climb, Holmes? <laughs> Langdale Pike, my dear Watson, is my human book of reference on all matters of social scandal. He spends his waking hours in the bow window of a St. James's Street Club. And he's the receiving station and transmitter of all the gossip of the metropolis. Aha. Uh -huh. They say he makes a four-figure income out of the paragraphs he contributes to the garbage papers. If ever... Far down in the turgid depths of London life, there's some strange swirl or eddy. You can be sure it's marked with automatic exactness by this human dial on the surface. <laughs> oh, really, Holmes? <laughs> oh, I mean it. Yes, this is a case for Langdale Pike, Watson. I have a good many inquiries to pursue. We'll part our ways here, and I probably shan't see you again until morning. Adieu. Bye, Holmes. My dear Watson, I didn't disturb you last night, I hope. Never heard a sound. 
Holmes, Mrs. Hudson just gave me this telegram for you. Thank you. Yes, a bit early in the morning for that sort of thing. An unpleasant surprise into the bargain. Please come out at once. Client's house burgle in the night. Police in possession. Sutro. I say. So the drama comes to a crisis quicker than I'd expected. This lawyer of hers has proved a broken reed. I made a mistake in not asking you to keep guard there. Nothing for it but another journey, then. Immediately. There's a great driving power at the back of this business. We must lose no time ourselves. Look, Holmes, our old friend Lestrade. Morning, Inspector. Uh, morning, Dr. Watson. Well, Mr. Holmes, there's no chance for you in this case, I'm sorry to say. Just a common or garden burglary. Well within the capacity of the poor old police. <laughs> no experts need apply. I'm sure the matter is in very good hands, Lestrade. Common burglary, you say? Mm, not a doubt. We know who they are and where to find them. That Barney Stockdale lot. Steve, Dixie and them. They've been hanging around here. Really? What did they get? Oh, nothing much. They caught upon the lady, though. Oh, here she is with her lawyer, Sutro. Mr. Holmes. Yes. Pray sit down, madam. Thank you, Doctor. You gave me good advice, Mr. Holmes. Alas, I didn't take it. And I left myself unprotected. Holmes, Mrs. Mabley looks wretchedly ill. I, I don't think she should be troubled now. It's all in my notebook anyway. Madam, if you are not too exhausted, I should like to hear your story for myself. Holmes! It's all right, Doctor. There's so little to tell. I have no doubt that wicked Susan arranged for them to get in. They must have known the house to an inch. I was conscious for an instant of the chloroform gag being pressed to my mouth. But I have no notion how long I was senseless. When I woke, one man was at the bedside and another was removing something from my son's baggage, which I'd taken up to my room, as you suggested. I sprang up and seized this man. You took a big risk, ma'am. I clung to him, but he shook me off. And the other must have struck me. I can remember no more. Evidently, my little maid, Mary, heard the noise and began screaming out of the window. That brought the police. But the rascals had got away. What did they take? That's what I want to know. But I can't tell you. I'm sure there was nothing of value in my son's trunks. And nothing else is missing. Any clues, Lestrade? Oh, this sheet of paper. The fellow may have dropped it when Mrs. Mabley tackled him. It's in my son's handwriting. And therefore, not much value to us, ma'am. Now, if it had been in the burglar's writing... What rugged common sense. Nonetheless, I should like to see it. Oh, here you are, then. I always hang on to anything, however trifling. And that's my advice to you, Mr. Holmes. There's always a chance of fingerprints or something. Thank you, Lestrade. Hmm. What do you make of this paper? Well, looks like something he was trying to write. You know, a novel or something. Queer stuff, if you'll pardon me, ma'am. Well done, Lestrade. In fact, it may be the end of this novel, mayn't it? You notice the number at the top of the page, 245. I, uh, yes, I had noticed that, yes. And no doubt asked yourself where the odd 244 pages have got to. Well, I expect the burglars got those. And much good may it do them. Yet it seems an odd thing to break into a house in order to steal papers of that kind. 
Doesn't it suggest anything to you, Inspector? Yes, it suggests that in their hurry, they just grabbed at what came first to hand. Why should they go to my son's things, Inspector? Well, ma'am, they found nothing valuable down below, so they tried their luck upstairs. That's how I read it. Mr. Holmes. I must think it over. Watson. Yes? Will you come over here, please? Yes, certainly. What is it, Holmes? Read this fragment of the novel, or whatever it is. Oh, oh very well. Face bled considerably from the cuts and blows, but it was nothing to the bleeding of his heart as he saw that lovely face. The face for which he had been prepared to sacrifice his very life, looking out at his agony and humiliation. She smiled, yes, by heaven she smiled, like the heartless fiend that she is, as he looked up at her. It was at that moment that love died and hate was born. Man must live for something. If it is not for your embrace, my lady, then it shall be for your undoing and my complete revenge. Well, I wouldn't commit burglary for that. But did you notice the grammar? How the tense changed from the past to present, what? and the third person to the first? You, you're right. As though, as though he'd got so carried away by what he was writing that it seemed as if he was himself mixed up in it. Precisely. Uh, Lestrade is welcome to have this back. Well, did you find anything in it, Mr. Holmes? Here you are, Lestrade. No, I don't think there's anything more for me to do now that the case is in your capable hands. Oh, uh, by the way, Mrs. Maberly, did you say you wished to travel? It's always been my dream, Mr. Holmes. Where would you like to go? Cairo, Madeira, Riviera? Oh, if I had the money, I should go round the world. Round the world. Quite so. Well, good morning. I may drop you a line in the evening. Well, what a strange man, Inspector. Mm, you know these clever fellows, ma'am. Almost a touch of the uh, you-know-what, eh? Now, my dear Watson, we are at the last lap of our little journey. Well, I hope you're not going to drop me off and tell me that you'll see me in 24 hours and that's all. No. If you're near to a solution, I want to be in on it. My dear fellow, I shouldn't dream of abandoning you. In any case, I shall feel safer with a witness. It's always advisable in dealing with such ladies as Isadora Klein. Is there who? Does the name really convey nothing to you? A man of your experience? There was never a woman to touch her. Pure Spanish. The real blood of the conquistadors. She married the old German sugar king, Klein, and presently found herself the richest as well as the loveliest widow on earth. You don't say. I followed an interval of adventure when she pleased her own tastes. Aha. Yes, Watson, she had several lovers, and Douglas Maberly was one of the most striking men in London. He was one of them. Of all I ever heard of Maberly, he was anything but a social butterfly. Exactly. He was a strong, proud man who gave all and expected all. Their association was no mere adventure to him. But she is the belle dame sans merci of fiction. When her caprice is satisfied, the matter is ended. And if the other party can't take her word for it, she knows how to bring it home to him. Then, then it was his own story he was writing. Ah, you're piecing it together now. I hear... Also, from my friend Langdale Pike, who supplied all the rest, 
But Isadora Klein is now about to marry the Duke of Lomond. He might almost be her son. His grace's mother might overlook the age question. But a big scandal would be a different matter. Ah, here we are. the meaning of this intrusion, gentlemen. I need not explain, madam. I have too much respect for your intelligence to do so. Though I fancy that intelligence has been surprisingly at fault of late. How so? In supposing that your hired bullies would frighten me off. Surely no man could take up my profession if it weren't that danger attracts him. I do not know what you are talking about. What have I to do with hired bullies? Hmm. I seem to have overrated your intelligence, madam. Good afternoon. Come, Watson. Stop. Where are you going? To Scotland Yard. Oh, come. Come and sit down, gentlemen. Let us talk this matter over. I feel that I may be frank with you, Mr. Holmes. You have the feelings of a gentleman. How quick a woman's instinct is to find it out. I will treat you as a friend. I cannot promise to reciprocate, madam. I am not the law, but I represent justice so far as my feeble powers go. I am ready to listen, and then I will tell you how I will act. No doubt it was foolish of me to threaten a brave man like yourself. What was really foolish is that you have placed yourself in the power of rascals who may blackmail you or give you away. No, no, I'm not so simple. No one save Barney Stockdale and Susan, his wife... Uh, Susan? Mrs. Mabley's maid? The same. No one except Stockdale and Susan knows who their employer is. They are good hounds who run silent. Such hounds also have a way, sooner or later, of biting the hand that feeds them. They'll be arrested for the burglary, you know. The police are on to them. They will take what comes to them without saying more. That is what they are paid for. I shall not appear in the matter. Unless I bring you into it. But you would not. You are a gentleman. It is a woman's secret. You must give back that stolen manuscript. <laughs> see, see here. What? In the file? It's full of paper ash. Shall I give that back? Shall I, Mr. Sherlock Holmes? You have sealed your fate, madam. You have gone too far this time. How hard you are. May I tell you the whole story? I fancy I could tell it to you. But you must look at it with my eyes, Mr. Holmes. You must understand it from the point of view of a woman who sees all her life's ambition about to be ruined at the last moment. Is such a woman to be blamed as she protects herself? The original sin was yours. That, I admit. He was a dear boy, Douglas. But he did not fit into my plan. He wanted marriage. Marriage for me, Mr. Holmes, with a penniless commoner. But no, nothing less would serve him. Because I had given, he seemed to think that I still must give, and to him only. It was intolerable. At last I had to make him realize it. But could I have believed that a gentleman would do such a thing then? What did he do? He wrote a book. Uh. He wrote it to tell his own story. I, of course, was the wolf, and he, the lamb. It was all there, under different names, of course. 
But who in London would have failed to recognize it? What do you say to that, Mr. Sherlock Holmes? He was within his rights. <laughs> it was as if the air of Italy had got into his blood and brought with it the old, cruel Italian spirit. He wrote to me and sent me a copy of his book so that I might have the torture of anticipation. There were two copies, he said. One for me and one for his publisher. But there must have been three. There's the one you had stolen from his luggage. That, that, that one you burnt down. Oh, no, don't you see? I knew who was his publisher. I found out that no manuscript had reached him from Italy. And then came Douglas's sudden death. I knew that the manuscript must still be amongst his belongings. And that so long as it existed, there could be no safety for me. So you had to steal it from his mother's house? What else could I do, Mr. Holmes? A woman with a scandal hanging over her. And her whole future at stake. I suppose I shall have to compound a felony as usual. Tell me, Madam Klein, how much does it cost to go round the world? A first class, of course. Around the... I do not understand. Could it be done on 5,000 pounds? Why, I should think certainly. Capital. Then I think you will sign me a check for that amount. And I will see that it reaches Mrs. Maberly. After all the distress she has suffered, you owe her a little change of air. Oh, but I... You I... broke her son's heart. God knows. I am sorry for that. Very well. I will pay her. And madam. Yes? Have a care. Have a care. Even a woman so beautiful as you can't play with sharp-edged tools forever without cutting those dainty hands. In episode three of The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson were played by Robert Langford and Kenneth Baker. Others in the cast were Margaret Ingalls, Elizabeth Hamilton, Beth Butler, George Corellan, and Tony Jay. Next week's adventure is entitled The Illustrious Client. <laughs>